Good afternoon. This is Guillermo Sabatier, your host today on Perspectives on Energy. And uh, I'm also Director of International Services for HSI, the Health and Safety Institute. And today we'll be talking about renewables and their impacts on energy security. So can we get to net zero, but how safely can we do that, right? Okay, again, welcome to the show. And uh, th this is like a, a series on renewables and energy security and reliability. Uh, so a few weeks ago, my last episode, we talked about a little bit on uh, what the training needs are for the distribution operators and how renewables are affecting that, mostly in a great way, but there's a, there's a few challenges. Uh, today, we're discussing uh, going more in depth of um, specifically on energy security and reliability. So uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today, well, a few things, of course, will be um, the, the the penetration of renewable resources that are to mainly just hinging on either solar utility scale or wind and and apparently that that seems to be the 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 market that predominates uh most of the renewable resources out there that are coming into market right now mind you there's a whole swath of uh rooftop solar that I'm very excited about as well because that in itself presents a great deal of opportunities and couple that with uh, electric vehicle and chargers and batteries and that sort of residential type energy storage, you have the chance to be able to leverage that as uh, many micro, basically what they are, little distributed energy resources, that's what you call them. But think of them as um, small little power plants located throughout the system all the way down to the uh, distribution circuits, which will be a great opportunity and a great sourced a resource to leverage if it's uh, managed correctly right so before we get into that uh, I'll talk about that a little bit a little bit later but one of the things that we wanted to uh, to cover today really is um my views on well what I've seen rather um on us approaching for example what they call the renewables knee uh and that's that's what's happening where where it comes to utility scale solar utility scale wind approaching a point where uh, for every other additional site or resource that's added, the incremental cost, it's uh, inc increasing, increasing not just incrementally, but at some point has like a slightly exponential effect. So, so those sort of things are beginning to see now. Uh, the other challenge, of course, is uh, it, it, it appears that in a few years, NERC, the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, the one that does a lot of the regulatory work for the FERC, FERC, they may be uh, changing some of their requirements and standards uh, to maybe encompass further further into the station and further into the, the generators when for these renewable resources. One of the things that's interesting is that, uh, for example, they they forced a lot of a lot of like setting changes in the protection systems in order to make them ride through frequency and voltage excursions, uh, and and that was a great thing for reliability operations, right? However, for the for the generator owner, generator operator, or the uh, the owner of these uh, renewable facilities, you know, during a fault or during one of these one of these issues, you know, that that presents a liability for them in the sense that you know it, it exposes their equipment and that resource to some potential damage, right? But again, that's that's the price for uh, reliability. So if they want to be connected to the grid. There's different tiers. When it comes to staying online, depending on the level of excursion, the level of uh, voltage disturbance uh, or frequency disturbance, you know, they will either stay online, they will either stop injecting current, 
they can completely come off offline and come back on in a, in a matter of seconds, or they completely trip off and not come back for at least four or five minutes, right? So all of that has its effects. We've seen impacts of that both in California, a while back during those, those wildfires, where they had they, they pretty much had to shed load. Or we see it as well in Cal- in Texas recently uh, when they had problems with uh, inadequate uh, or or a capacity shortfall in some cases. So uh, one of the things we're looking at, right, as far as getting to net zero, or some companies that call it real zero, right, where they're experimenting with um, hydrogen storage. So one of the things they're looking at is, is, is generating hydrogen out of the, uh, the variability and the excess of these renewable resources. So they're storing this gas on site. That's that's one of the, uh, which is a great idea. Uh, how you quantify that cost right now? It's still in the uh, it's still in the. Uh, R&D phases, but I know that a few companies already have those facilities on, they broke ground and they're working on it uh, here, at least in Florida. We see there's at least two sites that are doing that right now. Uh, one of them is owned by Florida Power and Light or Next Era Energy. Another one I think is uh, being owned by Duke Energy. And the other thing that we're experiencing as well is, um, and this is something that we, we've noticed in quite, quite a while, was the fact that until recently, right, uh, the Utilities, the operations, the reliability uh, entities weren't, weren't really invited into the conversation when it came to renewables legislation, right? And now they finally are. And we're finally beginning to treat it almost as a, um, not a commodity, but more like a uh, national security resource. And, and rightfully so, right? Uh, a lot of these uh, uh, foreign governments uh, are, are treating this, they're, they're weaponizing our own um, climate policy against us. And in some cases, right, we're, we're we're accelerating ahead with the with the deployment of these renewable resources. Now, it'd be great if there was a great variety of them, and you didn't rely on just two types. Problem is that we, we seem to be leaning heavily on, on on solar and wind, and there's not enough storage yet. It's not it's it's it's, it's be wonderful if we could have enough storage, where we could have that as as a resource, and then we be a lot more reliable. But at this time, the level of deployment just isn't there. Hopefully we'll get there. But um, the, the challenge we're seeing is is the fact that, you know, as we approach our renewables need, as we approach this variability, uh, we're seeing, for example, in some places in the Midwest, uh, they're having to dispatch generation uh, nuclear power plants. This is base load generation day ahead. And that's in response to the renewables variability that you're going to see in the middle of the day the following day. Now, this is concerning because of the fact that you're backing down reliable uh, steady state gener- based generation that has a lot of inertia. And, and at the same time, you're trying to prop up the renewables with, with these settings where they'll ride through disturbances. And, and eventually, that has its limit. So this whole racing ahead at any cost right, is, 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 might, might present itself in a very dangerous situation when it comes to the, to the uh, grid reliability and grid security. Which for me, for example, one of the things I've noticed is that usually in a lot of these, uh, a lot of the proponents of this particular resource, right, when, when you notice it, uh, not many of them are, some of them are, but not many are electrical engineers. Very few of them have ever worked in the electric utility industry. And for the most part, what I've also noticed is a lot of these proponents of this resource are stakeholders in the manufacturing side of these of these devices or facilities. So at the same time, then you begin to question the credibility and you begin to observe some bias when it comes to the implementation or rather the, the promotion of these particular resources. 
wish I, I wish I was wrong. I wish it wasn't the case. I would love to have somebody prove me otherwise. I mean, if there's anybody out there who's a seasoned electric utility professional that that went to work for the renewable resources and and that decided to, I mean, and 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 has like a deep understanding of grid reliability. I would really love to hear from them and kind of pull something in the comments below. And I'd love to have you on the show at some point because what I've seen is not very many of you know, the of the uh, the bodies that are promoting these resources really have a stake in reliability. They more or less have a stake in either environmental policy or they have a stake in the manufacturing and selling of these devices. So anyway, hopefully that isn't the case. And uh, what I've seen at least in, in, on the utility side is that, is that they're they're finally at the table when it comes to um, reliability deploying these uh, resources long-term and in the planning process. Now, that being said, um, the this new renaissance of nuclear energy, right, uh, that we're seeing not just in the U.S., but globally, right, was really brought on by by this 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 uh, dangerous race ahead towards these like renewable resources that only you know uh, basically circle around solar and wind, right? and, and that is a that is the product of that that problem. Eventually, you have to get that base load from somewhere, right? And and, and nuclear for for a long time was no new plans are being constructed, but now apparently we're seeing the benefits of this whole zero emission zero emission resource that uh, has not really been developed much in the West. Uh, you see a lot of different uh, companies in the East have actually invested quite a bit on o- over over a dozen different new technologies, right? So here, what we might see a lot of is those small modular reactors and micro reactors, but in places like Korea, for example, UAE, Saudi Arabia, they're, they're already full, full on. Uh, they have two units running in, UA- in the uh, in the Emirates, and they have another facility planned in Saudi Arabia, and so that's coming. And ideally, it's it's uh, as 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 a player in this market and a former leader in this market, right? It, it would really behoove us to actually once again become 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 a a, a serious competitor, if, if not once again a leader in this particular technology and in this industry uh, globally. So uh, so. There's definitely a lot of pushback in the idea of nuclear at this time, and, and I can understand why. Right, there's always that concern uh, for a, an environmental disaster. So, not quite the case when it comes to these SMRs. They have a lot of these passive cooling and safety systems, so you're not unlikely to see something like if a Fukushima happen again, or much less a Chernobyl. However, one thing I do worry about is security. Um, from what I understand, these units are completely sealed. And the amount of fuel is rather small, but at the same time, you know, this is always a concern. But uh, one of the things I've seen is that these things can be rather very well guarded um, from their remote location. So it's yet to be seen what kind of a what kind of system they put in place to be able to control that. So the other thing is um, the one thing I see a lot of hope in, in, in my personal opinion, right, is is the advent of well, not the advent, really, it's it's the the utility dispatch of these distributed energy resources at the customer level, right? Whether it's a commercial, industrial, or even residential type of resource, whether you have solar solar panels on your roof, or you got a, a, an electric car in your garage or your driveway, or even a, a whole wall full of batteries, right? Ultimately, this is, this is a resource that you can manage, along with the fact that you may have demand-side management of all of your appliances, so all of these become a very useful tool, right, that the utilities can leverage 
in order to ensure reliability, keep down cost. And at the same time, uh, um, imagine being offsetting the need to be to have to build new transmission lines, having to build new power plants, having to having to avoid the uh expanding an easement for a transmission corridor. Now you can just rely on the fact that you know you're you're feeding power all the way back up again through your distribution system into your transmission system. So that would be a huge advent, right? So I mean, and when it comes to helping reliability, imagine supporting voltage all the way down to distribution levels where for the most part, you know, power quality issues have been a real real problem in most of these uh, distribution utilities or co-ops or even municipalities. So when when we think of that, right, it's it's one of the one of the uh, recently I had a, a speaking engagement at uh, Tech Advantage where I spoke to a lot of the d- distribution cooperatives, and one of the things that that, that we were noticing is that um, throughout the country. I think it was about 38% of the customers were already thinking about getting rooftop solar and, and batteries. And about 11% of them were already moving on and doing it. So just think about it. It's As you're approaching 40% of your customers are beginning to think about it. So in another year, right, that those those that are thinking about it, the, the ones that remain, they haven't thought about it yet, are are, are going to start doing that. And the ones that, that haven't pulled the trigger and, and moved on, on investing on, the, on these uh, resources probably will. Uh, the other important thing is that is that the year over year increase on rooftop solar alone has been about thirty nine percent from November of twenty twenty one to November of twenty twenty two. That was a thirty nine, almost a forty percent increase. Which is, these numbers are oddly familiar, but forty percent increase on rooftop solar deployment when they measure it in, in, in the amount of kilowatts or megawatts overall throughout, throughout the country. So that is a really important significantly important thing when you consider what this will look like a few years from now at the same time right it's um for the utilities to be able to control that resource both both storage and and generation through through photovoltaics right it's you might get to the point where you are you're going to have to have a dispatch of combustion turbines at certain times of the day whether it's the morning peak and the afternoon peak and then eventually retire your base load generation. But that's a very dangerous thing to consider. Unless, of course, you have control of those of those distributed energy resources or even control with the aggregators, right? So again, without a doubt, once we get to that stage, yeah, I can almost I can almost bet money that we're gonna see NERC getting into the business of uh of putting in standards that are going to penetrate deep within the distribution system trade. Right? And then you can also bet that these aggregators and these uh, that manage all these DERs and then these uh, independent power producers are going to have more of a, of a uh, compliance exposure when it comes to how they impact reliability or more than likely what they might end up doing very well is they'll, they'll recede further back and kind of try to uh, try to sell off their, uh, their substation assets and only own up until the actual uh, collector of uh, of those resources. So, so for them, the 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 substation would probably be something that they'd rather have the utility own and take on the compliance burden as opposed to them. But of course, you know that's yet to be seen. Um, NERC and FERC may may pretty much not not allow it to a certain point, and uh, so that that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Now, uh, the other thing that we're, I, I was noticing as well is um, the the true cost of some of these new technologies, right? Uh, I remember at some point I, I was invited to 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 go look deeper into, uh, I think it was Blarney. There, there's an island in Scotland 
that uh, yeah they have a full re- a full renewable resource capability uh, when it comes to total megawatts but for them any given day right they're either importing power from the mainland through a, through a submarine cable or they're they're running they're running some fossil fuel uh, resource so so they're they're not it's it's not often where they're running everything on renewable energy right for them a lot of times they're they have a pretty much got 50-50 mix on those resources so, so I did reach out to them, and and hopefully I can have them on a show and and, and some time from now. But that is the truth when it comes to that island. Um, one of the things that I wish to point out, though, of course, is the fact that that uh, it, it's it's that would be really easy to maintain 100% renewable if your load was flat throughout the day, flat throughout the night. Um, Unfortunately, load is very variable, and then having a generating resource that has a load following capability is uh, now adds a little bit of, of more of a challenge to it, and it needs to be responsive, and that on its own has has its own limitations. So again, uh, it, it's it's great to see a big variety of different renewable resources, but when you capture the true cost of those devices, it, it's it's not really commercially feasible yet. But I'm optimistic that that we're you know we're we're, we're moving towards the direction of uh, economic fe- uh, commercial feasibility for most of these resources because ultimately right utilities are very risk averse and, and rightfully so uh, and, and and that becomes even more impactful on a on a municipality and or a co- a cooperative so for them that that sort of impact is, is 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 it can be more devastating if it's a bad decision so these larger utilities are vertically integrated utilities part of a larger not larger parent company they can absorb some of this like uh, r&d expenditure right where you can see in, in a lot of these larger companies doing this but when it comes to these like smaller co-ops and, and immunities it's a little bit of a challenge so anyway, and the other thing, uh, getting to that net zero safely, I think when I refer to that in the title of my show today, is the fact is uh, net zero or how about real zero, right? Because there's a few companies that are already working towards that. The net zero is that you're the a net effect, right? You're still producing some carbon emissions, but the ones that you're not, they're not producing kind of like uh, counteract against that. Ultimately, I, I can I can see where that they're going to want to retire even those like. Uh, relatively clean or natural gas fired combined cycle plants and then try and replace those with uh, some kind of renewable resource more than likely i think that will eventually be nuclear um especially small or micro hydro micro reactors one of the things that i think would be great to see but we all don't have the geography for it really would be pump storage plants and that has been around forever reliable uh really really prices well quantified we know what they cost and, and those can be run many times a day uh, in, in and out. And then, of course, they're great for storage. They're great for peaking. They're great for 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 even even uh, recovery for from a disturbance or a contingency. So in that case, right now, now mind you, you can only have those certain parts of the country. Uh, geography matters, but there are some run of the river type of storage facilities that actually can. And and have been implemented recently, but there aren't that many. You know, sadly, usually there's a cost issue with those as well. Right? But yeah, we're 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 making strides, making progress, and and I think finally we're, we're understanding right the the, the impacts some of these resources have on reliability. I think the utility scale solar, utility scale wind, is um, facing some new challenges now because because of the. Uh, Proper, proper quantifying of cost, and uh, mainly for the type of generating resources that they, they, they displace. 
Problem is that that happens during the middle of the day, and that's usually displacing base load generation, which on its own is uh, pretty cost effective. So we shall see where we're at, but definitely excited about what's coming, and hopefully we will uh, see see more. And, and I look forward to having some of these new guests on the show in, our, in a couple of episodes from now. So stand by and more to come. All right. So uh, again, any comments, any invitations, any challenges, you know, or or I definitely invite you to make leave comments below, and then hopefully uh, we can have a conversation, and I can invite you on the show, and perhaps you can educate me as well because uh, you can always learn a few things. But you know, thirty years in the industry, uh, in the utility industry, I can definitely I can definitely tell you that I've seen some challenges come up when it comes to renewables, and from a system operator perspective, right, having to train them. Uh, having to train operators and simulation uh one of the things that we're challenging we're challenged with now of course is putting these uh distributor energy resources in our distribution simulator and having the distribution dispatcher manage the uh the flow coming back from the feeders right and into their, their distribution buses and then of course feeding back up to the transmission grid that is a definitely an interesting challenge uh a lot of our clients have been asking for that particular uh, feature in the distribution simulator. And uh, we, we are, now we have both the distribution side and the transmission side finally linked together. So we can actually have a joint drill of both sides, which they've also been requesting. And then we, we're seeing quite a bit of a, of the joint training happening between distribution entities and transmission entities. So again, more to come on that. And um, again, uh, I invite you to visit uh, hsi.com and industrial skills. So you can learn more about our um, our utility training program, uh, system operator training, and then also NERC test prep. Uh, it's a whole NERC test prep program where we prepare you to take the NERC exam. And uh, either it's an online self-paced course or even uh, an instructor-based uh, training program where usually you have a pretty good success rate on uh, once they take part in that program. So again, thank you again and have a wonderful evening. And we'll talk to you again in a few weeks. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.